Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Taylor, big run. He's at the 40, 35, 30, 20, and he's inside the red zone. He's trekked down from behind, down to the 19-yard line. We're talking Colts and recapping the action. 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about it? Indianapolis scores on a block punt. Settles in, floats it downfield, and it is picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it. Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on a Monday night. Presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor. Colts Roundtable Live tonight with you until 6.30 this evening. Leading into Pacer pregame coverage. But we got a loaded show tonight talking all things Colts. Featuring head coach Shane Steichen coming up in just a moment and Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights beginning on the second segment tonight. And throughout the show, as always, we're taking your social media questions on the Colts. Submit those on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Week 14, very unkind for the Colts as they fell to the Bengals 34-14 to to drop their record down to 7-6 and on the season. And the 20-point loss was the biggest defeat this season for the Colts. And the Bengals beat the Colts in every phase, forcing their way back into the playoff race by snapping a four-game Indianapolis winning streak. The Colts suffered some uncharacteristic mistakes in all three phases. The offense scored fewer than 20 points for just the third time this season and they struggled to run the ball. Zach Moss averaged just 2.2 yards per carry, and they had a holding penalty wiping off a touchdown. And speaking of penalties, the Colts racked up a season-high nine of them, which caused problems all afternoon. And a defense that allowed just five plays of 40 or more yards all season. They gave up three to the Bengals on Sunday. Big gains of 45, 46, and 54. And the Cincinnati screen game, Created a lot of problems. Two big plays, in fact, including running back Chase Brown's 54-yard touchdown to open up the scoring in the first quarter. There were also mistakes on special teams as well. Matt Gay missed his first PAT of the season, and he also had a 38-yard field goal clank off the upright, his first miss on a field goal under 40 yards in more than three years. Then later in the game, rookie cornerback Amir Speed was pushed back into punt returner Isaiah McKenzie as the ball was coming down, forcing a muff punt that Cincinnati recovered, setting up a field goal. The Bengals raced out to an early 14-0 lead, but the Colts came storming back to tie the game at halftime. They got on the board with a Mo Alley-Cox touchdown catch from Gardner Minshew on a fourth and one from the Cincy two-yard line late in the second quarter. Then two plays later and 25 seconds later, linebacker Ronnie Harrison Jr. intercepted Jake Browning and picked him off and ran it back 36 yards for a touchdown. And then Gardner Minshew's two-point conversion pass to wideout Michael Pittman Jr. brought the Colts all the way back at halftime. And unfortunately, though, that was the highlight of the day for the Colts as the rest of the day belonged to the Bengals as they scored the game's final 20 points. The third quarter really rough for the Colts. They were outgained in that quarter 146-17, to and the Bengals scored touchdowns on their first two drives of the second half. And with the loss, the Colts are now one of six teams in the AFC who are 7-6. and six. The Colts are now the number seven seed behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, but ahead of Houston, Denver, and the Bengals and Buffalo because the Colts have a better conference record at 5-4 and four than all of those teams. Up next for the Colts, a Saturday meeting with the Steelers, another 7-6 and six team, as we said, and currently the sixth seed in the AFC playoff standing. So needless to say, an incredibly important game for the Colts who hope to improve their playoff stock in hopes of reaching the postseason for the first time since 2020. 
All right, we've got a loaded show, as always, and we start per usual with our chat with Colts head coach Shane Steichen as he's made his way into studio here tonight on a Monday night, presented by Citizens Energy Group. And, Coach, really tough game in Cincinnati on Sunday. We just chronicled it there. Um, after watching the film today, what made it tough for the Colts to, to play complimentary football like you had been doing during that four-game winning streak prior to yesterday? Yeah, it was just a lot of self-inflicted wounds um, that we had, you know, in critical situations that was really uncharacteristic of the way we've been playing the last couple weeks and uh right. you know this is a week to get back on track uh, against pittsburgh and uh, we got to be ready to roll because uh, this is a good football team coming yeah, in here. no doubt about that kind of picking up with that i mean how do, you, how do you approach this week it's a short week like you said you did have some uncharacteristic errors some mistakes that had not been occurring a huge game on you know a short week six days how do you approach this week with all of that in mind trying to erase some of those again uncharacteristic mistakes yeah just really honing in on the details and we talk about it every week but we really we got to just the self-inflicted stuff that happened we can't mm-hmm. allow that to happen and let us get beat uh you know by beating ourselves and uh starts with myself uh we all got to be better uh going forward down this stretch and then this week Everything will just kind of be moved up a day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, playing on Saturday, so we'll have our normal deal like we would on a Wednesday, but we'll have it tomorrow, and then we'll go from there. Offensively, just four and a half yards per play, uh, three for 11 on third down, 272 yards of offense. What made it kind of tough to move the ball against that Bengals defense? Um, you know, credit to the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they got some good stuff on defense, um, but again, it starts with us about going out and executing and operating. It starts with myself, starts with the coaches. Um, we got to put our guys in position to go make plays and be successful and uh, we got to get that done this week against Pittsburgh and then when they had the ball the, the screen game was really tough on Sunday um, during that four game winning streak prior to yesterday the Colts defense had 21 sacks but the three big screens really hurt how did the Bengals use the pressure you had been getting against you so to speak in that game yeah obviously the screens uh, that they hit were big there um we got to eliminate the explosive plays and a lot of those you know the, the three explosives they had were on screens and uh we just got to do a better job there um mm-hmm. of you know seeing it and playing it uh not you know jetting up the field as much and then falling back on certain on certain plays like that uh, so they don't create the explosives is that one of those things where now it's on tape you got to be you know, ultra prepared and, and ready for it, knowing that it's a copycat league here. Yeah, that's exactly you hit it on the head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is, right? Anytime, you know, you get hit with something, you got to be ready for it the next week with your next opponent. Uh, so we got to be all over it this week. And then final one for me, special teams. It's been really reliable all season. That was certainly the case last week in the win in overtime against Tennessee. But what did you see on film from that unit that made it a a tough day in the third phase of the game in Cincinnati. Yeah, just a little uncharacteristic things again, you know, on all three phases. And then, you know, you got the one where, you know, they punt and, uh, you know, obviously Amir gets run into Isaiah right there and he's mm-hmm. fair catching it. Just like an unfortunate event right there that happened. And then, you know, we missed some kicks there. That's unfortunate there. And we had a penalty on a on a field goal block that put them back in, you know, to get points there and just little things like that. It kind of happened all day yeah. and we got to we got to stop the bleeding uh, when things like that happen and that starts with myself. All right, let's go uh, go to the fan questions for just a handful of them here. You can tweet in or get them in on X, I should say, those questions every Monday night for head coach Shane Steichen using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's go to a few of them here, coach. Uh, Aaron is up first asking, "We did a really good job defending Jamar Chase. What was your assessment of the young secondary outside of the screen passes?" Yeah, no, I thought they did a good job uh you know jones did a nice job on chase um i think he had three catches in the game i believe that might be right mm-hmm. um but a good job you know containing him obviously they got weapons with higgins and boyd uh, and mixon 
Um, but I thought those guys did a really good job on the back end, you know, not allowing the explosives. Obviously, we had one explosive down the field, but uh, for the most part, I thought those guys battled pretty good. All right, let's go to Kyle's question. Kyle's asking, what happened to our defense in the third quarter? Did the Bengals change some schemes or give us some looks we weren't ready for as they scored touchdowns on their first two drives of the third? Yeah, no, you know, they did some good things offensively. You know, we just got to come out, especially, you know, in the second half, whether the offense has the ball or the defense has the ball, you know, cr- you know, treating that like the start of a game. You know, you got to bring that momentum and that energy. You know, we had some momentum going into halftime, obviously getting the pick six there, mm-hmm. and we got to carry that over uh, to start the third quarter. And whether it's offense or defense or special teams, we, we got to start fast, you know, in the second half. No doubt. All right, uh, a lot of questions here on the screens. Uh, Mitch is asking, we kind of already talked about it, but the, after the screens in the first half, after those hurt us, did we slow down our pass rush to make sure we didn't get hit again? with big plays in the second half yeah I think with anything you know obviously you know depending on the situation whether it's a pass situation or a run situation you know if it is a pass situation you know sometimes you're trying to get after the quarterback Mm -hmm. and uh you just got to be alert for those you know we all got to be ready defensive line linebackers uh that those things could come up in any situation whether it's first and ten or second and pass or you know first and five after a penalty whatever it may be you know some coordinators have tendencies on when they throw them and some guys just you know feel it and they call them Mm -hmm. uh, and they hit them sometimes so we just got to do a great job of recognizing uh, when those screens are coming uh, and being all over them. All right, let's go two more. We got time for a couple more here with head coach Shane Steichen tonight. Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. David is asking, is there anything we can do to make Alec Pierce more of a consistent part of the offense like he was last week against Tennessee? Yeah, no, uh, just with, with Alec and with everybody, you know, we always have stuff up for those guys. And, uh, you know, the coverage sometimes dictates where the ball goes. Um, but yeah, we always got to you know get him involved uh, as much as we can because we know he's a he's a deep threat for us and he can mm-hmm. create those explosives. So we always look at that every week. All right, Andy is asking. This is kind of the elephant in the room here. How do you approach this week, knowing the game against the Steelers holds a ton of weight in the playoff chase with being an AFC game and two teams that are both seven and six? I think the biggest thing for us is really just looking at ourselves, right, and controlling what we can control, right, and that's doing our job, right? Coaches and players and everyone in this organization is doing their job to the best of their ability, so when it comes Sunday, right, we're ready to go, right? I mean, we know what's out there in front of us, but we really got to handle our business and the preparation part of it uh, throughout the week. Uh, so we can be on it come Saturday. Yeah, well said right there. A, a special Saturday afternoon matinee of football on the NFL Network between the Colts and the Steelers. That's head coach Shane Steichen tonight on Colts Roundtable Live here on The Fan. Coach, always appreciate it on a Monday night. Again, I know it's a short week, so have a great week of preparation and good luck on Saturday. All right, sounds good. Thank you. That's our conversation tonight on Colts Roundtable Live on this Monday evening with head coach Shane Steichen, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, saving home on monthly bills. When you can serve your water and energy for money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. We've got plenty more to get into tonight. When we come back, we'll welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, get their big takeaways on the Colts and the loss to the Bengals on the tail of the tape. Then on segment three, we'll talk about the areas that really need to be shored up going into Saturday's game against the Steelers on somewhat of a short week here for the Colts. And then we're also taking your questions on the mailbag on segment number four. Get those in on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable. So a very busy show tonight, per usual, with you until 6.30 tonight. We're coming back with all of that in just a moment. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live, and this is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Hey, good evening, everybody. Once again, welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts Conservation Partner, as always. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And Colts fans, reminder, you can sack game day cravings with the $10 Colts meal deal. That's complete with the All-American Cheeseburger, four boneless wings, and a half order of tots only at Buffalo Wild Wings. A cheeseburger, four boneless wings, and tots available at select Indianapolis Buffalo Wild Wings locations where additional terms may apply. I'm Matt Taylor. It's time now to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to the show tonight. Colts Roundtable Live with you until 6.30 tonight here on The Fan. Gentlemen, thanks for being here again on a Monday talking some Colts football. Joe, I know the outcome not very good yesterday in Cincinnati, but how are you, sir? I'm doing well. We are two weeks to Christmas, so the Christmas season is heating up, and I know it is for every all those listeners out there, and especially with our kids too. So yeah, I love this time of year. And even though it was such a clunker for the Colts yesterday, it's nice when you're in playoff mode in December. And, I mean, that's the, that's the bright light, right? The sun came up this morning, and you're 7-6, and six and you're clearly in the mix of the playoffs. So being in the playoff hunt around Christmas time is always a great feeling when you're in the NFL. Yeah. Rick, how about you? The bus ride back to Indianapolis, that was <laughs> – it was well, pre- it was you, pretty relaxing despite the loss. To be honest with you, it really it really wasn't. It was so quiet, and you can explain to people how bundled I was. He <laughs> so looked like an Eskimo I, yesterday. I, I, I don't know that I thought out till we hit the Horseshoe Casino there. I, but, <laughs> but it was it really was. It was peaceful, and nobody said a word. Typical typical after a loss. I mean, it was a quiet bus ride back. There's no doubt about that. Let it all soak in, and uh, thinking about what went wrong at what needs to be changed here with four games to go. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. But we laid off this segment like we normally do with Rick and Joe having both examined the game film from Sunday in Cincinnati. So let's roll it out. It's time now for the tale of the tape here on Colts Roundtable Live. Go, baby. Raising hell today, okay? That's the way to go, fellas. Bang, bang, play. Bang, bang. Keep the hammer down, all right? Keep talking to one another, man, and clean it up. That's all. Get ready. Get ready. Yeah. 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 All right, tail of the tape time here on segment number two tonight where the Colts fell to the Bengals 34-14. to A lot of key mistakes you had. Uh, some missed kicks on special teams, big plays by the Bengals offense, some major screen passes. You had a season-high nine penalties for the Colts. Uh, the Colts got outscored 14 to nothing in the third quarter. They only had seven points scored on offense. So it all adds up to the Colts falling to seven and six and in a fight with five other teams in the AFC right now with the same record with four games to go. So, Joe, let's begin with you. What else do you have written down on your tail of the tape after the Colts were uh, knocked off in Cincinnati? Yeah, I think big picture, Matt. I just felt like it was just a clunker in all aspects of the game, and I felt like we were due for one. And Shane alluded to it a little bit, and I've always felt like in the NFL, I think Coach would agree, every game you win gets incrementally harder to win the next one. And with the four-game win streak, we were just due for one of these games. I mean, Matt Gay misses two chip shots that he never does. We muff a punt with McKenzie. We, we have all kinds of operational issues we normally don't do. And I just thought it was one of those games where everything kind of came at the same time. But honestly, it only counts for one. I know it's it's a road win, a division rival. Hope that doesn't come back for tiebreaker. But I would much rather lose this game 34-14 to 14 like that 
than 28 to 27 and have an emotional heartbreaker, if that makes sense. Because I think it's a lot easier to bounce back from a loss like this. Now, that being said, there's a lot of things you got to fix. But if I'm Shane and the staff and it sounds like it, I wouldn't overreact to it or underreact to it. I would just react to it. But a couple of things that stood out to me were 311 on third down. That's got to get better. Red zone, one of three. Can't do that. And this team, I know we're, it's minus one turnover, but it's going to be really hard for this team to win, especially on the road, minus one turnover. And I just felt like we were a step slow. I felt like the offensive line that really has buoyed this team and carried us all year. First play of the game, Ryman gives. He, he's a step slow off the ball. He gets bull rush sack. Our first run of the game, we don't come off the double team on 57. He beats Nelson. We got a five-yard loss. And I just felt like those two plays were microcosms in terms of our offensive line was a step slow all game, which led to the struggles in the running game. And that's something I think that we really need to correct moving to next week. Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, after four wins, I mean, we were in for a stinker, and, and we got it. I mean, with the exception of – the 25 seconds in the in the second quarter, thank you, Harrison, uh, you know, the surging Bengals, and they are, they were undisputed king of the jungle yesterday. I mean, they dominated uh, the defense with 34 points. The Colts are now 29th and giving up points and 385 yards. The Colts are now 25th in total. So those are issues that are scary. Uh, Browning, 122.7 passer rating, and they killed us with the screen game. 124 yards and three plays. I thought some specifics. I thought, you know, after looking at the film, the Colts edge and fill to the edge was terrible all day, both on the screens, I'll get into that later, and running plays. They just killed us on the edge. And then you can add some bad angles, and that led to poor tackling uh, in the debacle. We never, never seem to be able to catch up with what teams do best. And we just refuse to change up the front, and we very seldom play man press, which would help our young corners, and it certainly would help our screen defense. I mean, you know, we talked about it coming back. Mixon and Brown accounted for 230 yards um, of offense. And I, I remember in our must last week when we did the, the podcast, and number one must was Mixon and Brown. And, and right at the end of it, I said they're the best screen team in football. Offense, again, just cannot run it versus the bare front or over fires. When they did that in the third quarter, it was three and out. You know, Moss 28, 2.2, two weeks in a row, basically. That's a formula disaster. We cannot sustain winning if we don't run the ball with this team. Again, we took one shot to Pierce, missed it, and then we reverted to what we had been doing, uh, you know, which is playing on a 15-yard field. Uh, and, and we just can't win that way. You know, we hit the two big ones the week before. I thought we would open it up, and we did not. Uh, we just don't have an answer for bare fronts on the run. We have no answer for press man on the pass. And really what that, what's that leading to now is we're really getting blitzed on third down, and they're forcing, like Joe said, the three for 11. Ryman, nightmare day. I, I didn't see that coming the way he's played, he just got crushed by Hendricks. I didn't see the speed to power in Hendrickson like that. Red zone was a disaster both ways, and mostly because of penalties, because the penalty either prevented us from scoring or they extended drives twice for Cincinnati, and that was fatal. You know, our special town, after, after being, you know, coronated uh, the week before, just had a meltdown, missed kicks, muff punt and a huge, huge penalty, again, one of those that extended it. You know, and then after, you know, after gaining momentum going into the half, and usually that's a great sign, 
you know, that, that, that magical 25 minutes where we get back into it 14-14, you know, we just phoned it in in the third quarter. I mean, we literally got slaughtered in the third quarter and lost the second half 20 to nothing, okay? We've taken bows for a month, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. uh, and we've talked about complimentary football. Well, <laughs> this was the opposite. This was bad in all phases. Um, you know, we lost in the red zone. We lost turnover battle and time of possession. So, you know, I like the idea, and I said that before, spit it out by the time you got back to the Horseshoe Casino and start looking to Pittsburgh. But it does now, and I think it's legit. We now ask the legit question, were the Colts real or did they simply feast on the league's bottom feeders? We're certainly going to find that out in the next month. Yeah, that's part of the storylines of this week going into uh, the Pittsburgh game on a short week. Both teams are 7-6, and six, huge playoff implications, which we'll get into. Also, Colts fans, remember the weather authorities are Fox 59 and CBS 4, Indiana's largest and Weather 8 certified most accurate weather. And Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. All right, that's the tale of the tape. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are along with you. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 6.30 tonight. That's their burning questions and actually their reactions after the Colts fall to 7-6 and six on the season and see their four-game winning streak come to a close with that loss on the banks of the Ohio and Cincinnati. When we come back, we're uh, going to get out the notebook and start mapping out the week ahead for the Colts and talk about what must change on a short week in order for the Colts to top the Steelers and and a pivotal game for both teams. That's coming up next when we come back on Colts Roundtable Live. Stay with us here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Welcome back, everybody, to Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And Colts Roundtable Live tonight is also brought to you by Hotbox Pizza. With the Colts score, you score. Check out your favorite Hotbox location for 50% off your entire order every Monday this regular season with the Colts. And use promo Colts, C-O-L-T-S. All right, the Colts host the Steelers on Saturday. It's a pivotal AFC showdown. Again, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are long. I'm Matt Taylor. Both teams are 7-6 and six, and Saturday's game is shaping up to hold major ramifications in each team's quest for a playoff spot here in 2023. So again, I know it's only one day, but somewhat of a short week here for both teams. So let's discuss the areas that really need to be addressed uh, this week in earnest. And let's start with the running game, Joe, because on Sunday, Zach Moss He had 28 yards on 13 carries against a Bengal defense that came into the game ranked 31st in yards allowed per carry. And in the last two games, the Colts have rushed for a combined 101 yards on 41 carries. That averages out to be just 2.4 yards per carry. Going back at the beginning of the season, they they rushed for 126 yards or more six times in their first eight. But, Joe, they've failed to crack the 100-yard mark in four of their last five, and the Colts might be without Jonathan Taylor again on Saturday against Pittsburgh. So what what needs to be addressed in the running game this week for much better results and and much better offensive efficiency against the Steelers in six days? Yeah, well, I think first off, your two home run hitters, Taylor and Richardson, aren't there. And even though they played together for, what, two snaps all year – one of them was present mostly throughout the first part of the season. So now, and it, with him being out for 
most amount of time, you're not going to have either one of those home run hitters, which is different for defenses because they don't have to worry about what I would call just a every time he touches the ball TD threat. I think two, our offensive line struggled yesterday. Point of attack. Now, Freeland's not that guy that Braden Smith is, just a road grader. we got to realize that. But I thought that you know our left side of the line had been, I thought, playing at a pretty high level all year. Wasn't necessarily the case yesterday. Coach mentioned it. Ryman really struggled. I think then, two, you get behind 14, 17 points. There's not as many opportunities for run. And so being in control on the clock allows you to dictate when you run the ball. But his point about the bear defense is a good one, too. We've continued to struggle against that bear defense, and we should expect more and more of it the last four games. So all in all, we got to be better than two yards per carry, um, especially if the Colts are expected to play meaningful football in December and January. So there's a lot of things, Matt, that go into that. And I think the last thing I'll share is, as Coach mentioned, we only take one shot yesterday. It's kind of that condensed feel of the game where teams get tighter and tighter on the receivers, safeties get tighter, linebackers hit the gap quicker, they're running downhill quicker. And because they're not worried about us throwing over the top for 55, and I think teams are going to continue to restrict us and make things tighter as the season goes on until we can prove that we can do it over the top. Yeah, and I I agree with Joe on all points. I think I look at it as a three-tier thing. I think, number one, uh, it is running is a mindset. And for this whole season until Sunday, our offensive line has has come out and they've played mad. They've played aggressive. Uh, they've played to hurt you, to maul you, and they were a reflection of the entire team yesterday. We didn't play with that kind of attitude. You just felt it. Um, you know, the, the 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 Bengals, who have had terrible time against the run, you know, they just stepped up up front, particularly Reeder and Hill. They did a great job of standing stuff up. They shot linebackers. They ran through. Um, they, you know, they did some things to really hurt us, but they took command of the game. So I think number one is mindset. You've got to get right back to that when we play Saturday. I think number two, schematically, we have an issue. And when you talk about those games lately, it's all the Jaguar plans. When the Jaguars basically shut us down totally, it's a copycat league, and everybody has those packages, and that bear defense is killing us. In that second half, when we got slaughtered, they came out and they ran bear. They went from over to bear in that in those two three and outs, and it was the end of end all. They just stuffed us, and for some reason, it looks always looks like we're gonna change a little bit, but we never do. We keep trying to force those zone runs, and you see what it's gotten: forty-four carries, uh, hundred and one yards, two point four. This is over two weeks, and so I mean that's just not sustainable. And so we've got to get more off-tackle searches, seals, powers, tosses, and it's going to take some more multiple tight ends. I mean, we've got enough time, enough players to play two and three tight ends. But until we solve that, we're going to be second and ten most of the day. And then I, I do very much agree with Joe on this third thing. A lot of the running game is not only how, which I just explained, but yeah. when you run it, Okay. And I think we've gotten, and you and I talked about this on the road right back, we've gotten kind of conservative, particularly in the red zone. seems like it's always first down, run, run, run. And they know that, and they're loading the box. And, and when you don't take shots deep, basically what happens, and then they're pressing with it, you know, which shuts Pittman down. And what, what they're doing is they're just condensing the field, and basically we can't. And so, you know, I think, you know, sometimes – 
that passing game is so related to the uh, to the running game. And I thought after coming off those two big bombs to Pierce last week, we would be able to loosen people up. But we took one shot, and then we reverted right back into our real kind of tight, close to the vest running game. And, and I think it's those three things: mindset, scheme versus bear and more of a pass-run mix on unknown downs. That's Rick Venturi along with Joe Wrights tonight. I'm Matt Taylor. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We're with you until 6.30 tonight talking Colts football. Let's go to the other side of the ball here and talk about the defense. And obviously the screen game was really impactive for the Bengals yesterday. They ran several of those. Three in particular gashed the Colts for a combined 124 yards. Backup running back Chase Brown had a 54-yarder. Joe Mixon had a 45-yarder that set up another score. Those plays open up the floodgates for receivers um, and Jake Browning to keep hitting those bigger plays. T. Higgins had a 46-yard completion in the third quarter. Um, The Bengals averaged 11.5 yards per drop back yesterday. And then some, you know, I'm a big quote guy, and so I pulled these out here after the game too. DeForest Buckner, a gentleman, said after the game, quote, we opened Pandora's box today for sure with the screen game. We've got to get that uh, figured out on tape. We've got to look at our fits and how we can turn the screens back inside of the guys pursuing the ball. We've got to put that fire out quick. So that was DeForest Buckner after the game. Quiddy Pay said, quote, We know it's going to be the same situation next week. They've got playmakers on offense, and the quarterback is similar to this game. They're going to want to get the ball into their playmakers' hands so as to not put too much on the quarterback. And he also finished out that quote by saying, I feel like it's going to be the same, exact same game next week as well. So, Rick, let me start with you. After all that and those quotes inside the locker room, what needs to be addressed this week Uh, for the Colts' ability to slow down the screen game if Pittsburgh wants to copy what Cincinnati did to the Colts yesterday? Well, first of all, those quotes should have been made last week because you knew they were the best screen team in the league, and we act like we never seen one before. So, I mean, I say it jokingly, but, I mean, did you look at the tape? I mean, Hickson, Mixon is one of the best screen guys in the league, much less Brown. All right, when when you play screens, there's three things that you really have to coach. Um, and you have to you have to approach. I've always thought of the screen as just an extension of the running game, but with the effect of freezing people either on the rush or in your drops. Uh, but you have to treat it like a screen in terms of stopping it. And the first thing you have to have is really hard force to the outside. When you read it, you have to have somebody coming up and really forcing that thing back in. And when you reduce that, then you have to have really good inside-out film. People have to respond from their drops at linebacker or from their rush, and you have to get really good inside-out field, and then you have to get some space tackling. Well, we didn't do any of it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, And we're in that soft zone. Uh, we don't play a lot of man coverage, so we're in that soft zone all the time. So that also attracts screens because you don't have any quick coverage to the backs. Well, on the very first one, on the big one, Kenny just makes a bad decision. He's back in the zone. He goes underneath the first block, and, of course, that gives that speed merchant. I mean, he looked like a, 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 he just was like a streak running down the field um, and got everybody out. Our inside pursuit back out was bad all day. The closest guy for every time was Grover, but he just couldn't quite get there. And then we had a lot of bad angles. Uh, we had missed tackles downfield. Uh, Thomas missed a tackle on the first one that could have saved it. And then uh, uh, what's-his-name got run over. Uh, Baker got run over with a straight arm uh, by Mixon. And so I I think all those issues have to be there. 
and you have to work on them. And you know, you know, in my opinion, they should have been worked on. It shouldn't have been this bad. Again, hard force, inside out fill, and space tackling. And if you play some man-to-man press, it would help us in so many ways. It would help our young corners to get aggressive, but also it gives you the ability to close on backs right now, right now. You're not waiting. You're not back in a zone. You kind of it's, – it's like Jordan rules. You take away the screen before it can develop. And, and I mean, Coach laid it out of how you defend screens. I just thought our edge all day – we always used to say no edge, no chance for a team, whether you're running the ball, whether you're in the screen game. And I just thought they completely controlled our edges all game and something we didn't need to do. And I think to Coach's point – those two quotes from our defensive linemen, it's something you got to be aware of going into the game. And this game cost us in terms of, yeah, it cost us, it's another loss, but each game has more multitude. And every game we go here is one more step, more intensity, and we got to be prepared to have these fixes and these answers before the problem happens and not when you're correcting, okay, after the game we got time because pretty soon the uh, the hourglass and the sand is shrinking out of there every day, and that's just the reality of when you're playing high-level football in December. So all in all, um, just to kind of go back to the front, it's, it's one game, but there's a lot of things that if we don't fix, uh, it'll continue to be problematic for us the rest of the season. Was that a Days of Our Lives reference out of you, Joe? Ross? Was it? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, like I, I've never really watched that. To <laughs> watch Aladdin recently with the kids. That's exactly right. That's on point right there. That's Joe Wright's Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by McDonald's. When the Colts score, so do you. Buy one Big Mac and get another one free. When the Colts score, a field goal. Only in the McDonald's app, Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you tonight by Caesars. Enter for the people's sweepstakes presented by Caesars Sportsbook with Caesars Rewards for your chance to win a Peyton Manning autograph item and a $250 gift card to Jack Binion Steak at Horseshoe Indianapolis Racing and Casino. Visit Colts.com slash Caesars for more information on that. Must be 21 or older to enter. All right, time for a quick timeout here tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. The mailbag segment is coming up next. Get those questions in on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll take the best ones when we come back on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Thanks for coming back tonight on Colts Roundtable Live with you until 6.30 tonight leading up to Pacer pregame. The Blue and Gold, they're in Detroit tonight to take on the Pistons. And we're brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips tonight at citizensenergygroup.com. Along with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, I'm Matt Taylor. And once again, Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you in part by McDonald's, where field goals equal deal goals. Buy one Big Mac and get another one when the Colts make a field goal during any game this season, only available in the app. All right, let's go to the mailbag segment as we teased. Uh, We're taking the best ones on X tonight. Use those or get those in with the hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's go to Randy's question. Uh, Randy up first, Rick, is asking, how did our defense look with Grover Stewart back in the lineup? Did we see a noticeable difference even though the Bengals were still able to run the ball for over 100 yards? Uh, The Colts are still... Or I should say have given up, have allowed over 100 yards rushing in seven straight games. But what kind of a difference did number 90 make back in the lineup? Yeah, that's a good question. And you tend to say no, uh, you know, because of the overall result in the game. But what my eyes tell me 
is he made a huge difference. You know, we were giving up, um, you check me if I'm wrong, we were giving up 154 yards a game without him. And just pure statistically, uh, we we only gave up 111. And that was with 32 carries. That was 3.5, much, much lower than what we've been giving up. And the truth is, as Joe said, two of the big runs uh, were edge plays, were plays that got to the edge, which he had nothing to do with. I thought... You know, what my eyes told me on the tape is basically he did a much, much better job than anybody we've had in there. I mean, he you can feel his run stuff ability and his ability. Like I said, he was always the closest guy to the screens in terms of, of running outside. So, you know, I think there is no question that Grover's, um, you know, Grover's presence means a lot, you know, particularly to those direct runs. I almost... And I know it's not true, but I almost feel like when anybody else is in there, they almost audible to that inside zone. It almost looks like they audible, and it's like a 10-yard gain every time they run it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the biggest problem, though, that we have is he's got to change up the front. In seven games now, in seven games, I think he's changed up the front three times on first or second down. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're playing with the monsters of the midway. Eventually, people catch up with your front and they make a difference. But I think there's no question that Grover being back is a big, big gain for us. That's Rick Venturi. We're taking your uh, questions tonight on X with the hashtag Colts Roundtable to submit those. All right, Joe, you want this one. This one's coming from Mitchell. Uh, He's asking, what do you think of our overall offensive approach the last couple of weeks? Is it too conservative because we're playing with the backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew? I do, Matt. And while I was praising Shane a couple weeks ago for winning games 10-6 to and grinding out against the Panthers, I think that we have gotten more conservative and we're just not hitting big plays, but we're not attempting the big plays. When, when Pierce goes yard and uh, Tennessee, I'd say, well, give him another chance to do it again in Cincy. And if nothing else, it's going to extend the defense. But bottom line, we're 5.4 yards per pass since he was 11 yesterday. That's double. And I think with Jonathan Taylor out of the game, we got to find creative ways to make big plays. And I don't know if that's more gadgets with McKenzie or Downs. I think that Downs, he had three targets, three catches. And I think he's a guy we got to continue to feed. We really got to focus on how can we get him the ball, maybe him the ball in space and other big plays, different screen plays from ourselves. But I think we got to find more creative ways to manufacture and grind out big plays because just doing what we're doing, I don't think is going to get it done here the last four weeks of the season. All right, Rick Venturi and Joe writes along. I'm Matt Taylor. We're taking your uh, questions tonight on the mailbag segment here tonight on Colts Roundtable Live. Uh, Rick Nathan is asking you, how much longer, Rick, can we survive with our young corners? Are we playing with fire at that position? Well, we're going to have to. We're going to have to survive. I mean, you know, Gilmore won the game for the Cowboys, but he's not here anymore. That's a good point. So yeah, we, you know, we have to. Uh, we have to win with the game with this. And here's, I look at it this way. I think again. You know, you tend to put it all on them because you'll look at a major statistic. And here again, here's what the stats say, but here's what my eyes tell me. He threw for 274 yesterday. 126 of it, the ball was never thrown across the line of scrimmage. I mean, the backs had one half of the pass offense. Baker got turned around. He made a bad play, probably his worst play, probably our corner's worst single play of the year. He simply got turned around by Higgins, uh, guessed wrong on that one, and gave up a 46-yard play. But those kids overall, now we did have some roles 
We did have some cover eight rolls to chase, which was good. But even when we played man-to-man, I thought our kids did a really good job at times. I thought they battled. He tried to throw that big comeback to chase, that that big corner route right to left. Baker took it away. I mean, on the one out to chase, uh, Jones couldn't have been tighter. So, you know, I think we do them a disservice schematically, and I've said it all year. I'll keep saying it. I mean, we string them out. We leave at least one of them and mostly two of them. We leave them out there one-on-one in an off position. These are good, young, long rookies or young kids, and I think we would really help them by allowing them, I've coached this forever, to get up and press people, use their length, get up and press people, not always be back, and then help them with some double coverage like cover two. So it's very hard to evaluate it. I think just like the quarterback, I think they get over-evaluated, and overgraded down, you know, but there is no choice. This is who we're going to play with, and mm-hmm. that's why scheme does matter, and sometimes you have to help those guys. All right, we got time for one more question if we go quick, if we can squeeze it in. This is a good one from Morris, and we kind of talked about this uh, earlier on segment number one with Shane Steichen because the Colts got outscored or uh, outgained, I should say, in the third quarter, outgained in the third period, 146-17, to 17, Joe uh, so Morris is asking, why were we seemingly not ready to play in the third quarter? We gave up two easy touchdown drives and couldn't answer on offense. Yeah, Morris, great question, and the answer is human nature. Now, I thought when we came back and scored twice in 30 seconds, we had got the game tied. We had all yeah. the momentum. But the bottom line is the third quarter was reminiscent of the first quarter, which was reminiscent of our attitude in this game. We played like a team at that hadn't lost in 42 days, and that's the reality. And as a coach, you can talk all you want to team and try to grab their attention and get guys ready to go. But bottom line, human nature is unbeated. we got to fight that every single day. And so I, I would translate into the next game. We're playing Pittsburgh. They lost to the Patriots, who are terrible at home. And people are thinking, well, they can't win without Kenny Pickett. Uh-uh. This is a team that's lost two straight games, a proud franchise, a really good head coach. They're going to come in here Saturday with three extra days of rest, really ready to roll for that same human nature element that they thought they were just going to walk in the park against New England at home. And it's the NFL, and I think we had we were too casual. It was human nature, and we played like a team that thought, well, they don't have their MVP-type quarterback, Burrow, so we're going to go down to the Cincy and get it. And I think we were humbled in a really good way, and we got to turn that negative into a positive coming up on Saturday. Yeah, enormous game this Saturday. That's the mailbag segment tonight. As always, submit your questions in on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable for us on the show. When we come back, we'll close out the program. We'll take a look at the AFC South standings and the AFC playoff standings as well. There's a lot going on in, in relation to both. And we'll also preview Week 15, the Steelers coming to town on Saturday afternoon to Lucas Oil Stadium. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight. We're back in just a moment, closing out the show here on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back for the final time tonight. This is Colts Roundtable Live, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And this message is also brought to you by Meyer. 
the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. We talk about those AFC playoff standings right now. You've got the Ravens at 10-3. and three. They are the top dog in the AFC conference, followed by, in this order, Dolphins at 9-3, and three, Chiefs 8-5, and five, Jaguars at 8-5. and five. The three wildcard teams as of right now, the Browns are 8-5, and five, the Steelers are 7-6, and six, the Colts are 7-6, and six, holding on to the last playoff spot in the AFC. Then right beneath them, you've got the Texans 7-6, and six, Broncos 7-6, and six, Bengals 7-6, and six, and the Buffalo Bills, who are now 7-6. and six. So the Colts right now, as we said, they've got the tiebreaker over Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Denver based on best win percentage in conference games. The Colts are 5-4 and four in AFC games, which is the best record among that group. So, Rick and Joe, your final thoughts, your closing arguments. And, Joe, with you, we always like to kind of tap into your former player resource. The Colts bouncing back from this one. It's a short week. You play on Saturday. Everybody knows the magnitude of the game coming up this weekend. How do you as a former player focus without psyching yourself up too much knowing this weekend it's like a playoff game against the Steelers? Well, I think, one, you're on a short week, so you got to turn the page even quicker than that 24-hour rule like Coach talked about. When you get off I-74, it's on to Pittsburgh. But I think, two and away, Matt, this is an easy game to bounce back from. And what I mean by that, there's no emotional hangover. There's no woulda, shoulda, coulda. This is bottom line. We went out to the playground. We got punched in the face. We got bullied and beat up. And guess what? This team's got a lot of attitude. Uh, they got a lot of character, and they'll respond. They'll be ready to play Saturday at 4.30 because I think in some ways it's easy when you pummel like that to get back up because you can't wait to get back out there because you got a lot of pride and know that, hey, that wasn't what we put on film. That wasn't us. Let's go out there and show the world what we're going to do in a national TV game Saturday at 4.30. Yeah, and when you look at Pittsburgh, just some key things to think about going into it. They're they're really been bad on offense, number 27. Uh, in scoring 16-2. Trubisky was so bad that he got booed almost out of the ballpark. So look for them to regroup, lick their wounds, and probably you know kind of copy Cincinnati in how they're using a quarterback and how they're nursing them into the game with screens and things like that. Yeah. Now they're just the opposite, really stingy on defense, number 7, 19-2. Now the interesting thing, and this could be great for us, is both Watt and Highsmith. Highsmith left the game, never came back with a neck, and T.J. Watt, who is you know former Defensive Player of the Year, went into the concussion pro- protocol on Friday. And the percentage of guys playing the next week, and particularly a shorter week, yeah. okay, is not really that great. So, man, I would love to see those two guys watching from the sidelines. We shall see. You're exactly right. T.J. Watt, he is a game wrecker uh, in and of itself. He's got 14 sacks on the season. He's got a boatload of tackles for loss and quarterback hits. He's one of the best players defensively in the NFL. Well done right there, Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, and I'm Matt Taylor. That's all the time we've got tonight. And my thanks as well to head coach Shane Steichen, who joined on the first segment tonight. So if you missed any of the program, we were locked and loaded. A lot of Colts conversation for a full hour there. It's going to be available here shortly on Colts.com. Colts mobile app will have it and the Colts audio network anywhere you download your podcast. And we'll have more of the Colts and the Steelers all week long leading into Saturday. And we'll do it again next Monday, recapping all the action. But Pacer pregame is coming up next. Pacers and Pistons tonight in the Motor City. Thanks for listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, good night.